Nice. Well, welcome to Something to Do, um, a music podcast that is somewhat devoted to uh, and connected to bands that we both really love, Husker Du and The Replacements, um, although not exclusively these days. Um, so this time, um, which is not too far away from last time, which is exciting for me and Greg, um, yeah. discussing The Replacements all shook down. Greg, you want to say a little bit about why we're doing this album today? Greg's holding up his copy of the yeah, their their final LP, um, released September twenty fifth, nineteen ninety. So ostensibly, you'll be listening to this on the thirty second birthday. So it's not like it's a, a, you know, a what do you call it? Like a monumental, but it's still 30, 32 nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And I actually already have the next one picked out. Oh wow! Awesome. And I'm I'm gonna save it at the end, and it comes with another self-imposed deadline. Okay, I love it because <laughs> I tried to be clever, just for at least the next couple, so we can you know force ourselves to do it more, even though it's super fun, and I'm always glad when we end up doing it. But yeah, um, yeah, I mean that was part of the reason I chose it. I, I just happened to notice the anniversary was coming up. We did yeah. the Copper Blue, and um, I love this album like full stop mm-hmm. uh we were talking before we started recording about like the vinyl um i don't know if it's i don't have an original um i got the best bang for your buck is those they did those box sets of like the sire years yeah and if you go on discogs and you're missing any like they they put there's a box that's the twin tone years Mm -hmm. and then a box that is the sire years. And that's where this copy came from. Um, Far as I know, they're exact replicas of the originals. Um, Meaning like if it didn't have an insert or whatever it does, like this has, and someone can please correct me wrong. This has no insert. Um, When I look at the cassette, which I also happen to have that has an insert with just like, more like art you know it doesn't really have anything there's just some photos that aren't in the in the vinyl i don't know if you can see there jude um but they're they're the best as far as i know at least when i got these a few years ago it's definitely like cost effective like i think you can get them now for probably like sealed on discogs probably for like 50 or 60 bucks for the box which is a great way to get all of them but yeah they they do those uh rhino did those like color uh reissues so i've seen like this one around don't tell a soul like they've done some one colors but yeah i don't know how yeah. hard it is to find i don't know i mean i feel like the og press like just this is based on very little but like thinking about the timeline and it being the heyday of like cds and i guess at that point like cassettes were still pretty full in the swing um i know like i don't know i've heard tell that like an original copy of like tom petty's full moon fever is like a very difficult album to come by just because it came out yeah and meanwhile the this cassette i got for like i was telling you four bucks yeah you know because they probably this is probably what i mean in 1990 i wasn't really buying music yet yeah um but the few things i had like the teenage mutant ninja turtle soundtrack and yeah uh please hammer don't hurt them uh, <laughs> they were on 
cassette. I didn't have a CD player at that point. Um, and I feel like even like there's, I've seen like the promo posters or ads and it's like also available on, you know, CD and cassette for all shook down. 1990 is a weird, weird year for rock music. It is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that was, I, if I recall, I remember seeing there was some statistic because they, you know, they talk about all this stuff in the wake of Nevermind, mm-hmm. but like no rock album, like top billboard charts that year. Like it was all just like, you know, what, I'm trying to think of what was popular. That I don't even know. Yeah. Like I said, I, but uh, it was a weird time. Um, yeah. So what, well, we usually have our what's new. Yeah. So we'll talk a little more about this one after that. But yeah, because uh, I want to hold that thought about 1990. Yeah. Um, so anything new on the uh, Bob Mould or replacements related front? One piece of news, right? Yeah. I mean, do you think about like Jason is going to be touring with? Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Jason uh, Narducci from you know, plays in Bob Mould's band, uh, plays in Super Chunk. He's going to be playing, I guess, auxiliary guitar Yeah, for Sunny Day Real Estate for not the whole tour, but like a, a chunk of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure like that's going to sound super sick. He's an amazing musician. Yeah, because I'll, I'll be seeing him. He's uh, it, Super Chunk's doing one show. They're doing that Frantic City. Yeah. Um so unless there's a set time conflict because i think i heard they're having two stages so i I don't know how this is going to work out but i you know supposedly will be seeing super chunk unless they play at the same time as you know i don't know somebody that i haven't seen or whatever yeah um but uh yeah that'll be that'll be super cool yeah bob is back on tour it looks like yeah and i mean like let the record show that he's like has a track record of like very faithfully playing you know legacy songs from a well-respected group or musician right? oh absolutely yeah yeah it should be fun and uh i'll be seeing him do that uh in maryland and philly awesome um so that should be cool. I hope they mix up set lists. I hope it's not like one of those things where they play the same set list, but yeah. You we'll know, see. So yeah. cool. like then you know what's coming the second night and you're like, oh dang, like this is, this is- <laughs> and then the Philly I can be like, all right, cool. I know that in three songs I can go and uh I won't have to worry about my parking expiring and I can leave. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm I'm so, like the Maryland thing just kind of uh happened. Uh, a friend of ours, you know, Darren, he he got sure he's listening to this he got uh a deal on some tickets and it's just like i'm already off work that day by chance Mm -hmm. so i was like this is perfect you know head down see him uh they did that ticket master like all in it was like 80 bucks for four tickets no fees so i mean 20 bucks to see one of my favorite groups like yeah you know that i haven't seen in 25 years almost like i'm 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 game because i didn't go in 2009 did you yeah i did i went in 2009 i went to the philly show they sounded incredible um that was with nate mandel too right that's right yeah yeah man that was those were harder times for me the truck right yeah 
Um, I think I was like, I don't have the money. It was probably like twenty five dollars. Yeah. But now I'm living my best life, I guess. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think at that point I had a three year old and another kid on the way, and yeah, uh, it just wasn't in the cards. But I wish I did because. I love how it feels to be something on. I love the rising tide, but that stuff was, they were exclusively focusing on the first two records because they did those reissues. So like, and that's, that's my favorite stuff just because that's the first stuff I heard. And I love the urgency of it and the, you know, how it still kind of has that like punk hardcore energy to it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But agree. Yeah. It's You're not- listening to something to do where we exclusively talk about sunny day real estate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be cool. And I'm, you know, hopefully, hopefully it's successful. And, you know, they, they did have that LP they had been working on that was shelved, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they'll finish that. I don't know. Would be awesome. I mean, Jeremy Enix, an amazing musician, like even his solo stuff and yeah. So, uh, and then nothing really, yeah, how no, nothing replacements moving on to the next, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think, is there any replacement stuff? Not really, like, there's not this, not is a, yeah, this is, I think, the this is the first year in a while that there hasn't been like a, an archival mm-hmm. project. Um, well, I lied because they did the uh, that live in 81 thing for record store day but like no big box set like they did uh dead man's pop in 19 and then please to meet me box set in 20 and then in 21 they did the sorry ma Mm -hmm. which we've i think i believe so far we've only done the we did dead man's pop right yeah and we did uh don't we tell us old deluxe, sorry, Ma yet. No. but we didn't do sorry Ma either one. So we'll have to get on those uh, at some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no box, no box set this year. Yeah. I would love if they did them for all of them, just because it would look really cool on the shelf. But I don't see that <laughs> happening. Like I can't picture like a a stink one with all this stuff on it. Yeah. You know, or, or hoot nanny. Maybe they'll combine both of them onto a box set. Yeah. I don't know. As somebody who recently helped Greg move his record collection, I can testify that that would look really cool. <laughs> record yeah. Oh God. Yeah. They did. They, they do look because you know the way they're set up. They look. They're like hardback books. Yeah. You know, kind of. They look really cool, but also be a pain in the ass to move. Yeah. But I digress. But yeah. So let's talk about all shook down. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. So should we do a little bit about the background of the album? You want to do our personal background with the with this album? Uh, we'll do the personal first, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't have like necessarily like a distinct, I mean, going back to the Please to Meet Me episode, um, if listeners want to check that one out, that was the first replacements record I ever heard. Um, and then I got into them a little bit out of order, right? Um, so, you know, that record obviously is like, you know, pretty smack in the middle of their career. Um, it immediately spoke to me. I very gradually like started filling out the holes in my replacements collection. Um, this was like pre-streaming, like CDs are on kind of on the way out. You can kind of get stuff like, you know, uh, easy and like cutout pins, but, um, you know, Spotify wasn't in existence yet. So I couldn't just like jump online as soon as I heard, please to meet me and like hear the rest of their catalog. So I 
start like filling out the holes gradually. And then this one, um, I started listening to like around the time, like streaming, like came around. Right. And, um, and it's great. I mean, we're going to talk more like track by track, but it's obviously their final album. Um, some would say it's a Paul Westerberg solo album. Um, some might argue that like, quote, this doesn't sound like a replacements record end quote, but like, I actually don't know what the hell that even means because like what replacements record really sounds clearly like another replacements record through and through. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like, I mean, we, we could talk more and like, you probably know a lot more about this, but I feel like they catch a little flack for this one. Um, or, you know, maybe it's not people's absolute favorite. Um, I think it's amazing. I think it's like, I think it's got some of their, it has one of my like top 10 favorite replacement songs on it that we'll get to when we get to the track. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was, uh, you know, as just like you mentioned on the, maybe in one of our intro episodes, I talked about, I didn't, the replacements is when I took the deep dive was around the time of those uh, Rhino CDs, mm -hmm. which I will admit, I wish I would have held on to those. They were really nice now that I have some CDs because they had like all these extra tracks and really comprehensive notes inside. Um, in fact, this one all shook down had notes from Peter Jesperson, oh. um, who, you know, was their, you know, their former manager and twin tone and all that. And he had said, this was his favorite replacements album. I, I believe in the liner notes at, at, at the, at most, he said it's his favorite replacements album, but he definitely at least said it was his favorite of the sire era. Um, but I like, I worked outward so like i started in the middle of the catalog with tim and let it be mm. and then kind of like went you know one behind let it be and one in front of tim yeah so this was like a little bit later um i always hear that same argument too it's a paul westerberg solo album okay so <laughs> like, like you know uh it's it's it says the replacements on the cover so we're ranking it and rating it as a replacements album um yeah there's a lot of session musicians on it um from the little bit of research i've done it's not even a hundred percent clear who plays on what yeah it's you know like we know there's guests but like we don't know exactly what songs have exactly what members my understanding is the there's one song that does have all four original members that's attitude mm. um but like yeah it's session musicians but like okay like pet sounds had session musicians on it like right you know it's, it's right. not like it still says the beach boys on it um and, and this still says replacements yeah so but like sorry and I, I hate to like i don't want to take too much umbrage at that like critique of the album but it's not like this that's not like the first time the replacements used session musicians right like it happens need me <laughs> it happens a lot and um but yeah i mean the, you know the long short is paul was originally doing it as a solo album and then the management was like can can it be a replacements album so you know it became a replacements album released september 25th 1990 which, which like we were saying yeah. 1990 was a, a a weird time like i'm trying like what rock acts i mean you had jane's addiction all right all right who had you know ritual de lo habitual which is a fantastic album um faith no more uh 
the real thing I think came out in like 89, but they were mm. riding the crest into 90. So you had those bands. Yeah. Like Wait, as far where, as where were the like the chili peppers at this point? Same, same deal as Faith No More, like okay. 89, nine, Mother's Milk was 89. So they were they were like in the public consciousness, maybe a little more. Two, I want to say. Nine, 90, same day as Nevermind, actually. Wow. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah, like w- what else? Uh, every uh, every other like rock album I know from 1990. Yeah, that that's were was not like a huge hit. You know, Red Cross, Third Eye, hmm. um, Jellyfish, Belly Button, The Posies, Dear Twenty Three. Wow, yeah. Like you had all those, but like they weren't. Like they were still kind of underground, even if they're on a major. Right. And um, with replacements, you know, there was that. I believe when we talked to Bob Meir, it was like they handed in Tim to the label, and they said this is too like loud for radio. Right. And then by this one, they're like, this is kind of too, especially as it rolled into '91. They were like, yeah. yeah, this is too soft for radio. Right. Right. Um, but it produced by Scott Litt. Mm. They finally worked with him. He was pitched to produce Please to Meet Me. Yeah. And then they famously, like, you know, smashed. What did they do? Like, smash one of the records that was slipped under the door and slide right. it under the door, something yeah. like that. Um, And as a huge REM fan, I was stoked. I was like, oh, because, you know, Scott Litt did a bunch of REM stuff. And, uh, I'm, yeah, this is, it's, it's a cool, it definitely sounds like a last album. Yeah. To me, yeah. I don't know if that's just because I know it's the last one, but like, I mean, <laughs> they they it ends with a track called "The Last." Yeah, Maybe that seeps into your subconscious or something. But yeah, um, I I feel like like following a little bit like in online discussion. I remember you kind of posed the question one time about this album, like people who were around. And maybe even saw them on this tour like did you know it was over like and my recollection is that people who saw them on this tour were like you knew this was this was it basically like it wasn't yeah there's something on youtube like a mtv news thing about them going on this tour Mm because at that point it had been their first tour in two years and it was funny it was like a big deal like it's their first tour in two years now you know people take so long yeah. to release records and all that um i know that the i know like the goo goo dolls opened for them mm. on some of this tour and at that point they were in their like you know raucous loud phase and they would like like i'm curious people that saw that tour like what they thought of of Goo Goo Dolls because at that point Goo Goo Dolls was kind of like picking up the torch from where the replacements left off, you know, like, in the mid eighties. Uh, right, right. You almost, and yeah, I mean, another question I have is like, what did the set list for the replacements look like there? Like, did they try to match the energy? I mean, like something tells me they probably did whatever the hell they wanted to do. But so in one of the in the one book all over but the shouting i think it was the all oral history yeah. if i recall i remember somebody saying like the goo goo dolls would go on stage and they would just be going nuts they would be like you know jumping around which if you watch footage i mean they there was a reason why they just kept getting bigger they were a great live band 
Yeah. Like they, it was just three dudes and they would just, you know, rip it up. Um, and then the replacements would go on and stand perfectly still, almost as like a, we're going to do the total opposite. Like the Goo Goo Dolls would be like, we're going to, you know, they're the opener. They feel like they have something to prove. They're going to, we're going to go so nuts that they're going to just have to go even more nuts to top us. And they just kind of went in the other direction and we're like, okay, we're just going to like kind of be laid back and, and play the songs. I, I mean, there's that set list from the July 4th, 91 show. That's the, was the last show they played till the reunion. And they, they, do reach back into the catalog like they play stuff from the twin tone era Ooh. um but yeah who else toured with i think the posies actually speaking of, they did some dates on uh this tour i could could be wrong i forget who else but um at that point too by the time they toured chris mars was out of the band yeah so it's down to you know two original members at that point um and they got uh steve foley who i guess he passed away a, a, several years ago yeah. um he drummed for them for the remain they did a six-month tour on this it's crazy yeah um they're on like a bigger label and have a budget and like are not sleeping on floors it's probably a little bit less crazy but still being on the road for that long like yeah it's probably it's real tough yeah absolutely and there's the story the cool story too about steve foley joining it was something like they happened to see him at a bar and, you know, somehow like it heard he played drums or something. Someone can correct me. And they're like, okay. And they, they hop into his car to drive to a rehearsal space. And as soon as they turn on the car, this record like was blaring out of the speakers. Like he had, had just been listening to it, like yeah. on his way there. Oh my gosh. And then they, you know, they, they got there and jammed with him because he was also in bash and pop with yeah uh, with with tommy but um yeah it's i mean it's their last record yeah and i think i think it's got more songs than well it's like the most songs they've had on a record since like sorry ma maybe yeah, that stands to reason. I, I didn't do the count, but what you're saying. Yeah, I didn't either. I, 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 but I'm trying to think, like, Don't Tell a Soul was like 10 or 11 songs. Please to Meet Me is 11 songs. Tim is like 11 songs. Let It Be, I think. Because like, I remember being like, they really like 11 song records, but this one is 13. You got to wonder what the logic is there. Were they just like, any, like if there were things that on another album... They, I mean, this is pure speculation on my part, but like on another album, they might be like, let's save that for a B-side or like something else. Yeah. Just like everything but the kitchen sink. Like, let's get it all. Yeah. I'd be curious to know as well. Um, and so for All Shook Down as well, the the reissue, the one I was talking about, mm -hmm. has some cool extra stuff. Like it's got a lot of demos. Mm. There's, yeah. uh, there's like 11 demo tracks uh or no i'm sorry there's uh like seven demos when it began kissing in action some take wheel attitude happy town tiny paper plane sadly beautiful and then there's an alternate take of my little problem mm. and then there's uh they have the three songs from a promo ep don't sell or buy it's crap <laughs> And it's uh, Ought to Get Love, Satellite, which is a Tommy Stinson tune, 
mm. kissing in action. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, extra stuff on there too. Nice. It wasn't rated too highly when it came out. Like it looks like, like I'm looking on Wikipedia. Rolling Stone gave it four stars, but like a lot, it was more like a a mid-level, like three star. Yeah. You know, 6.3 out of 10 on Pitchfork. And I don't agree with that. I think it's higher than a a, a 6.3. Philadelphia Inquirer gave it three stars out of four. Mm. Um, but again, I mean, to your point from earlier, right? Like they were, they were like never on target with like what like maybe not always critics but like you know they were too loud when like they should have like yeah they wanted softer stuff on the radio and now they were always in the wrong place at the wrong time right um yeah i guess kind of anything else like about the recording of the album or about like the before we get into the track by track, no, I, I'm I'm ready to to really dive into the record itself, and then other st- stuff comes up, we'll be able to interject. Sounds good. All right, well, track one. Oh, oh, sorry. Before we get started, here's something I thought could be fun. Um, so Paul Westerberg, uh, well known for his quote clever lyrics. What I tried to do when I was listening to this album to prepare for this episode is I pulled out what I felt was the, and I'm using air quotes here, listeners, cleverest lyric on each each track, right? So like maybe that's something that's like truly like, you know, a really smart lyrical construction, or maybe it's something where you're kind of like, oh, that's like a little um, whatever, like a little just too cute by like one turn or whatever, like they were kind of known for. Um, so I invite you listeners, um, as we go through the tracks, Greg and I are going to share our thoughts um, and I'm going to share what I think is maybe the cleverest lyric, whether we interpret that as a good thing or a bad thing or a mix of both. Um, and I invite you to weigh in on the socials. Yeah, please. There you go. So track one, we got merry-go-round. Um, what are your thoughts on this one, Greg? Had a music video. Mm. Um, the last appearance of chris mars with the band mm. you know he re- he recorded whatever tracks he did on this and appeared in the um the promo video for it and that was it you know he didn't tour on it um this one's this one's like a little almost like a misleading uh song because it's, it's kind of like you know a little bit reminds me more of like don't tell a soul maybe yeah, yeah. It's not as it's a little more upbeat, at least musically. Um, some of the other tracks on here, maybe. Yeah. But uh, and if I if I recall that CD, they had the uh, greatest hits a few years ago that was on well, a few years ago now, probably like 15 uh, <laughs> that Rhino did with the two new tracks. You know, the new tracks where it was like Josh Freeze drumming, I think. Um, they only chose one song from this album and it was Merry Go Round. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can see why. I think it's a great song. I mean, just like you said earlier, right? When we did the Please to Meet Me episode, and like obviously this has been talked about and written about elsewhere, but um, excuse me, um, not Please to Meet Me, Don't Tell a Soul episode. Um, you know, with Don't Tell a Soul, they start out with the acoustic guitar part. They're like 
deliberately signaling like a kind of new sound. This one like starts out with like crunchy guitars and like the full band kicks in. Like it sounds like a little more like, you know, an earlier era of the replacements and the rest of the record sounds a little, a little different, I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think this is a killer first track. I think like listening to it this time around, I'm really curious what kind of fuzz they're using on this. Like he's kind of got, it sounds like it's like maybe germanium transistors on whatever kind of fuzz effect, like the speaker sounds like it's breaking up a little bit. I'm curious if this is Scott Litt's production, but it's just on this first track. You hear like these occasional kind of like phasery flangery flourishes on Westerberg's vocals. Like they stuck like an effect on it for like just a little tiny sprinkling. Um, the end of the bridge into the verse that like the verse with a guitar solo, like in the third part of the um, song, it like legit gets me pumped every single time. Like, I think it's like, it's a great song. Um, and if I were to, yeah, if I were to pick a couple songs from this to put on a greatest hits, I would definitely grab this one. Um, you mentioned Scott Litt and it's like, I would love to hear him talk about this one because I feel like hmm. I've heard him talk about, you know, the REM stuff uh, that he's done because, you know, again, he worked with REM from document all the way up through and including new adventures in hi-fi. So, I mean, he did arguably their most successful run of records yeah. where it was like, you know, at the era where everyone he did was bigger than the last right. for a while you know um but I've, i feel like i've never really heard him talk about this experience yeah um i and shame on me i forget if maybe he was interviewed in bob mears book yeah i have to go back over but like like it would be cool to see like a you know sort of like they did with matt wallace and on the don't tell a soul like it would be kind of cool to have like a, even just a sit down or a podcast where he talks about this album yeah because you know for question to answer to like questions like you have like was that a, the production choice was it the equipment what what was it yeah. um so if anyone knows scott lit yeah send him love to have him on yeah easy <laughs> piece of cake so um i believe that the um cleverest lyric on this track is um you wake to another day and find the winds blowing out of key with your sky. Um, so maybe that's pretty It's a great lyric. Yeah. So next up, we have one wink at a time. You got to love those horns. Agreed. I think they're rad. And it like, it really, I think kind of signals like a change in the mood of the record. Not like, a, but just like the, like it's much more subdued, yeah. You know, a little more acoustic bait. Like you said, there's not the, the 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 crunchy, fuzzy guitars as much. Um, but it's it's a great it's a great song. Um, this album to me, I, I think I told you it's, and and maybe I just subconsciously associate it with like kind of end of summer, early fall because of when it was released. Yeah. But it, it's like, this is a good, like you're going on a Sunday drive. You can still have the windows down, but maybe you have to wear a, you know, a long sleeve shirt or something like it has that, like it's a good driving record. 
No, I completely agree with that. And I think it's interesting that this album was released in late September of that year because I always, like you said, associated it with the fall. Um, yeah. Not for any particular reason. It just kind of feels like school's back in session. You know, the weather's dropping pleasantly. Um, yeah, like this isn't necessarily something where like it's the beginning of summer and you're having a pool party and, and you're putting this on. Yeah. But it is like it's the end of summer and you're, you know, sitting out at the fire pit. Yeah. And yeah. you want to like play something or, or you're driving. Yeah. Like I said, you know, on a trip to the pumpkin patch or whatever, like it's a good, it's like that kind of vibe. Um, and maybe it is like, you know, release dates. I feel like they, maybe they don't mean as, they don't mean as much now. Mm, yeah. Right. Cause I was thinking about this, but back then there was a like, you know, there was definitely a calculated reason for stuff. And this would have been like kind of the, this is for the college crowd, like the back to school, right. you know, uh, album, like you figure literally a, almost a year to the day we talked about Red Hot Chili Peppers and Nevermind. Um, 52 weeks later, Nevermind comes out September 24. Right. 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 So it's like and that was the same deal it was like people are back to school for it's good for college radio or whatever yeah um and then you know other stuff would come out in the summertime like you know may or june right um replacements i think they a lot of their stuff they didn't really have like a set time like a lot of the rem stuff would come out in the fall at least later later in their career because yeah. i would remember buying them like it was wow. the beginning of the school year. It's like, here's a new REM. You know, you had Monster came out in the fall. Automatic came out in the fall. New Adventures, Up. You know, all of them came out, like, around that time. Which stands to reason, um, what you're saying. Like, they're, I mean, in my mind, they're, like, a lot of ways, like, the prototypical college rock band. I, I said they would love. Like, I love yeah. Um. So it makes sense that, you know, their stuff would be getting... I mean, by that point in their career, they were like, you know, very six. It wasn't just college or radio, but. Because um, you can be really in tune with it, too. Um, when you see like bands that manage their socials mm -hmm. and they'll say like, you know, this was released this many years ago today. And like, for instance, like I was thinking of Sonic Youth yeah. in the month of June. They were like, it was like every other day they had an anniversary. It's so it's like they, they like to put, I guess, their stuff out for like summer, you know, so they could probably tour in the summer or whatever right. so there was like a reason for for everything and i guess this was like same deal like it's going to come out in september we're going to go on a tour in the fall yeah i think they toured in the fall um i'd have to look at the dates but yeah nice so what's your uh lyric for for this one for this one, I think this is like maybe one of the best lyrics he ever wrote, honestly. Um, the magazine she flips is a special double issue, spells like perfume. She leaves it on the plane. Baggage claim is this way. Um, so watch her walk down that way in a hurry to put an end to the day. Um, something about the song and the next one, which we'll get into in a sec. Um, not like the first time like this is ever happening, but there's like, you know, somewhat of like a narrative quality going on like you know in this song like he's clearly writing about someone else not just his own experiences not the first time that that's happened in like songwriting or in the replacements catalog um but i do think it's noteworthy for sure all right so next up we got nobody what do you think greg 
This is catchy. Uh, how insightful of me <laughs> but it's got like you know kind of the, the the catchy chorus and it's a little more upbeat was this a single uh, i don't know if they had i don't know if they had many they did a lot of promo promotional singles um no it wasn't actually they they did promotional only singles for merry ground someone take the wheel when it began and happy town this should have been a single i agree i agree yeah i mean it's a really it's like a top 10 rap song for me honestly they played this when we saw them yeah, is this the only song they did from this album to my recollection because i remember leaving the show i could double check the sentence thinking oh, that, i'm checking right now yeah i remember <laughs> they also played marigold rounds i was really glad they played this it was like later in the set yeah let's look festival pier what a set mm -hmm. one of the best shows still yeah. um so let's see all shook down no they did kissing in action and nobody uh, there you go interesting and they did kissing in action early in the set too huh interesting well glad they played this one yeah for sure so I should remember from from Bob Miller's book, but wait, this, kissing in action isn't even. That's like that's a B side. Right? I was gonna say I'm I'm yeah. so one thing you'll realize with me I'm very bad with song names, <laughs> like very bad. Like like it's just one of these things where if it's, if the if the like chorus doesn't repeatedly say the name of the song, yeah. sometimes I'm I'm bad. So I'm like so yeah, that's a B side. Yeah, that's even cooler. They played it. Some fan I am. Yeah. Well, anyway, like, go on. You're like a mega fan. Your mind, like the whole recording session, is just like all part of the same creative output. Um. So, but I should remember more from Western or from Bob Muir's book. But um, this is like generally understood to kind of be like Paul Westerberg, like telling on himself. Basically, is that right? Uh, yeah. Like it's about like his own relationship kind of falling apart and his marriage rather falling apart. Yeah, because it was around. And didn't he, if I recall correctly, um, he was like stopped drinking around this time. Yeah. Um, and, and all that stuff probably I'm sure played into it. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is a great song. I'm, I, I'm, I forgot they played it. Yeah. What's your lyric? What's your hot lyric? Yeah, for this one, um, uh, knees quake. They're in a shotgun in the place. You like the frosting? You just bought the cake. I also like. I couldn't pick, so I also really like the line, "Honey, you're just a kid." You said I did. Um, yeah, it's a great song. I think those are really great lyrics. Yeah. Okay, so next up we have "Been Out of Shape." What are your thoughts on this one, Greg? Uh, this one's, this one's a little bit more, uh, you know, kind of. There's a little bit more crunch mm -hmm. on this one than uh than the last couple, you know. Yeah. Uh and this one sounds uh it's got that like uh <laughs> if you want to talk about lyrics, I love the lyric. There's popcorn for dinner. Last night it was cheesecake, a little sleepy time tea spiked with another heartache. Yeah, that's a great um, one. Is 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 a 
and that's the opening line of the song too yeah um, i love sleepy time tea i like i have a glass every night yeah no yeah. same so I, I i i like that whole uh you know the visual it sets and um yeah it's just it's another great track uh that it would have been cool to see live yeah i agree and like musically I, i'm with you that i feel like this could be a please to meet me song um i think the sleepy time tea reference there is like a clear departure from say like a red wine like um but yeah but it's a great song it's got like a little more kind of like uh you know kind of like rock and roll orientation to it um i love those like kind of quasi gang vocal backup vocals on the chorus yeah 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 for sure um i my my cleverest lyric from the song is you want to be a dancer and i'm on my last leg which like maybe another signal they're like you know we're running out of gas here y'all yeah i mean that's i feel like this one has a lot of little subtle and not so subtle hints yeah um but it's uh this is yeah this i mean a lot of these could have been singles honestly like to me i'm like 1990 like bent out of shape that could that could have been on the radio i think yeah you know like i'm trying to think i mean i guess like you said tom petty was popular then yeah i mean you know tom petty was always popular but i'm just i'm just thinking like uh black crow's first album that was another big one 1990 right yeah um i mean this i don't see why this a song like this couldn't be on the radio yeah uh you know alongside any of those yeah songs back to back with like don't come around here no more or something yeah agree so next song's like you know a little bit of a of a of a sonic shift um if that one's kind of a rocker then we have sadly beautiful up next yeah it's got like home demo vibe almost yeah like it almost like i mean it has the the what is it slide guitar on it or something Mm -hmm. um glenn campbell did a cover of it oh uh right am i am i i'm thinking of it was a glenn campbell yeah the wichita lineman (laughs) hold on now i this is why i love the internet because i can just look I can like, like use dead air fillers, you know, like just pretend I'm not typing and looking, but I'm actually looking. Um, if he did, I would love to hear it. I love and um, yeah, Glenn Campbell. Yes, it is. Uh, he he did it. Uh, in two thousand eight. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, check that out. It says it was released on the album uh meet glenn campbell from august 19th 2008 oh anybody that's i I've, I've heard it like you know i i definitely heard it um a long time ago yeah and i you know i probably should have played it before uh before this recording but you know what i'm i don't think smart like that yeah and i'm trying to see actually fun fact here i'm looking now at at, uh the old discogs uh and this glenn campbell album there's some notable players on here uh wendy melvin i think i pronounced that right 
plays electric guitar. She was in uh, the Revolution with Prince. Oh wow! Um, it gets even crazier. Roger Joseph Manning Jr. and Jason Faulkner. They were both in Jellyfish and playing Beck's uh, Beck's band. Oh, cool. Uh, you know, they pl- or maybe played. I know Jason Faulkner now plays in um, uh, St. Vincent's band. Okay. Uh, Chris Chaney, who the bass player for Jane's Addiction. Oh, wow. And then you ready for the craziest one? Yeah. The late, great, and of course, oh, well, before, uh, Rick Nielsen and Robin Zander from Cheap Trick. Um, but also the craziest one is the late, great, Todd Youth, huh? Of Glenn Campbell, Warzone, yeah, Warzone, Murphy's Law, uh, Fireburn, yeah, 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 Danzig, like so many, uh, so many bands, super talented guy. Uh, but yeah, he's on that album, and so I guess maybe he plays on that song, the the cover. So it's kind of we get to it's one of the only times we'll probably link Warzone with the replacements. I'm right with that yeah um but yeah it's a great it's kind of a downer of a song a little bit yeah it's, it's a like beautiful a, song it's kind of got like bit, yeah. skyway vibes to me um yeah i mean you've said so much about the about the song already um i think my favorite or the cleverest line from it is baby needs a brand new pair of eyes because the one you got now only see only goodbyes yeah and this is not a hit single per se. Like this is maybe one I, I couldn't see like cranking up on the radio. No, no. Because uh, it doesn't have that feel. It's an amazing song, but it yeah. doesn't, you know, it's not, this isn't something that the record company uh, heard and was like, this is going to be a huge hit. Right, right. I mean, especially not for this time if they were like getting flack for not being like. <laughs> yeah, they're competing with, you know, been caught stealing or right. whatever was like a on, on alternative rock radio this this wouldn't be the the track to do it yeah um someone take the wheel up next closing outside one yeah it's a good song yeah i thought this one was a little telling too because it was almost like paul like i always took as like someone take the wheel like i'm out of control i need help like you know take the wheel yeah um and this has that it's a guy singing at the very end you know that high pitch somebody take the wheel because i remember being like wait i thought uh jeanette and i can't pronounce her last name not but uh from uh concrete blonde you know she's yeah. on yeah uh she is on the it's uh Je- oh jeanette napolitano Okay. forgive me if i'm saying it wrong she's uh vocals on my little problem and i was like wait is that her on this song too but it's yeah. it's not it's terry reed huh the first time i heard uh friend of the pod friend in real life fidge we were like you know kids i was like the beginning of seventh grade and we were like exchanging mixtapes and he gave me like i my parents weren't really into him so i didn't know him he gave me like a mix a mixtape of a bunch of rush stuff and i was like she can really sing, dude. <laughs> He's like, Getty is a man. Uh, it makes you think of the pavement. 
yeah. song. What about the voice of Getty Lee? How did it get so high? Gosh. Yeah, this song's, yeah. I think my favorite lyric, someone take the wheel. Um, it, so, okay. So Westerberg, a guy who like was known uh, during like a, a time of complicated politics and like, you know, in American music, like anti-establishment, um, you know, um, attitudes, especially in the scene that he was coming out of was sort of known for like not really getting involved in any of that stuff. Um, I have to wonder though, this was, this was the line that jumped out of me this time. So I see we're fighting again in some fucking land, throw in another tape, man. Is he like, is Westerberg finally getting like a little political there? Like, is he like, what? Yeah, Cause this was what around the time of the Gulf war. Right. Right. right? I mean, he's yeah. more mature this time, you know, he's not, um, maybe. I think that's actually another, this is the first record he wrote in his thirties. Yeah. Uh, cause at this point he was, mm. you know, he, he, his, his birth date is New Year's Eve, 1959. So literally at the end of the, the decade. So you figure he's writing these songs either as he's approaching 30 or, you know, uh, well, turnaround time for recording and pressing wasn't like it is now. So they were probably recording this in 1990 at that point, he was freshly 30. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. think thinking a little differently. But yeah, it's a good point. And given the context of the times, it's not out of the question. Yeah. If if that is like, you know, a, the correct read of that line um, or the intended purpose with the line, it's, it's an interesting one on a track that's like musically pretty laid back. Yeah. Um, so next up, we got When It Began. Nominated for an MTV Video Music Award. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, 1991. Um, it was nominated. I don't believe it. I don't believe it won. Uh, it was nominated for Best Alternative Video and Best Special Effects. Oh, wow. After 1991 Video Music Awards. I can't say I'm super familiar with the video. Um, it's like Claymation, I think. I haven't seen it in a long time. Um, before so, before Tool did the video for Sober too, you know. Yes, yeah. So the best alternative video, it was up against uh, Jane's Addiction, been caught stealing, Jesus Jones, right here, right now. Oh, and uh, REM, losing my religion. And the replacements when it began, because you got to think this because the first time like 91, but Teen Spirit and all that wasn't nominated until the following year. So this was like this was like when did this Those so if you videos. Yeah, so this aired September 5th, 91. So it was like right as the sea was changing. Yeah, you know, and uh, the winner of the video, by the way, was Jane's Addiction, Been Caught Stealing, which I mean, that's it's a great a great video like it's it's a great video and um so then they were also nominated for best special effects in a video okay and they were up against faith no more falling to pieces nina cherry i've got you under my skin mc hammer here comes the hammer seal crazy and i kid you not <laughs> can't make this up bart simpson do the bart man <laughs> Please tell me Bart Simpson won that year. No, Faith No More Falling to Pieces won. Yeah, that's a great video too. But yeah, it is. And a great I love that song. Um, but yeah, it's 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 kind of 
it's kind of nuts like looking at these award shows because they they do really kind of give you a snapshot into popular culture culture at the time and you can see like it's like you have mc hammer and cc music factory we have jane's addiction and the replacements and faith no more and rem and then you know the next year you had pearl jam nirvana uh guns and roses like so many you know people performing but yes this is a cool video i haven't seen in a while but it's like yeah it's a claymation cool um and uh another kind of little bit more upbeat yeah. but also this sounds like i pictured just again taking a nice sunday drive driving through some you know maybe a little bit of autumnal uh scenery yeah yeah in my mind this album you play it like the wednesday before thanksgiving like while you're like making pie yeah yeah it's it's and and this is a great it's a great song if you're thinking in terms of vinyl and tape to kick off side two yeah yeah the slide guitar part or like maybe it's like a lap steel or whatever that's a really cool part um i think i mean you've said so much about it um but my i think the line that sticks out to me the most is if you say nothing then that's something i'll understand one other thing while we get into the title track in a second all shook down i do want to just comment on the cover art for the album because every single time i see it i think of that scene from goodfellas where they're like one dog's looking one way one dog looking the other way and she's saying hey what do you want from me (laughs) see i think of um new day rising oh nice but i do i love this album cover yeah it's great you can see it's you can clearly see it's raining obviously the dogs are wet you look at the, the puddle um and it's got that it's it's like the only like actual pop of color is the album title which is upside down mm-hmm. um and then you know the replacements is in black but then it's also in white but like the mirror image mm-hmm. um and then it zooms in on this looks like a telephone pole sign have you seen lucky I'm assuming one of these dogs is maybe Lucky. Yeah. So hopefully they found Lucky. I hope so, after they took that shot. Yeah. They took the picture just so we knew that we they found Lucky. Um. So the title track is next. Yeah, I think this song's pretty cool. It definitely feels like a Westerberg solo track to me, in my opinion. Um, There's like a flute, or like a pan flute part in there. Like, that's neat. Like, I don't think yeah. that's anywhere else in there. however you pronounce it um yeah it, this one also is like pretty like home demo-y vibes yeah agree there's kind of like you know and i mean this in like a, a way with like a lot of love but there's like an almost like an asmr vocal delivery like oh absolutely like there's like a whispery kind of kind of part to it the one line that like turned like jumped out at me um quiet as the uh, vocals are um, is the fifth gripping week an absolute might, right? Like it's just like a classic Paul Westerberg, like instead of like an absolute must, he's like, we're going to tweak. Absolute might. Yeah. Yeah. This one has like, like it sounds to me like he's like, I got to be quiet. Someone's in the other room, but I have this idea for a song Mm -hmm. and he plays it and maybe he thought about, beefing it up and then probably was like nah 
Exactly. It sounds good as it is, which is true. Like it really fits the vibe. And then of course, you know, they add that the flute and mm-hmm. stuff over it. But to me, it sounds like it might have even I could picture it being finished before they even went in, like or or if there is a demo, which it's not I checked, there's not a demo version on uh the extra tracks. Yeah. So I would assume that the de- if the demo version is probably pretty identical to what's on here. Yeah. Yeah. The absolute might line kind of just like a it just didn't dawn on me until right now, but the um an offer you might refuse um lyric from Don't Tell a Soul. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh this one's really stark. Yeah. And it works well. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it, it, well, and also I'll say, we talked about, you know, the album cover, it's gloomy, it's gray. The song kind of fits that. You can almost picture it's like he's playing that and you can, you know, the, the, you look out the window and it's gloomy, like it actually is today here. Gloomy mm-hmm. and rainy kind of fits the vibe. Yeah. Uh, up next is Attitude, which supposedly is the only track on here that has all four uh, of the core members at which the same I, time yeah which i think is so interesting because it doesn't sound like i think this song is a great song i think it stands out a lot i mean it's not like even marigold round has like the crunchy guitars um this one does not um i mean i was kind of saying in the beginning of the episode like what the hell do people even mean when they're like this doesn't sound like a replacements record but um but I think the like the sentiment, the attitude, the attitude, if you will, like of the song is like very um is very replacements. Um and it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, it's it's this wouldn't have been the song that I would have picked, would have had all the members on it. Right. Like Merry Go Round or whatever would have been the one where I'm like, oh yeah, that's Slim and and Tommy and and Chris on there. Yeah. But I mean, the song that ostensibly like is about having a problem with mouthing off. It makes sense that the whole band would be on there because that was like right. What they were always getting in trouble for. And it has that little like, you know, the little catchy yeah. little guitar. Um, yeah, cool track. What's your what's your hot lyric? I think it's the first one in the song, right? When you open that bottle of wine, you open a can of worms every time. Oh yeah great lyric yeah for sure um up next we got happy town which was a promotional single i was gonna say this song deserves radio playing it's anthemic yeah easy to sing along to um this is another one like why this you know could have totally been on on wmmr or whatever yep yep was the radio station here at the time um after a black crow's song yeah yeah i'm 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 completely with you i feel like you hear like a little bit of like i mean i know that like um they were obviously fans of tom waits like tom waits like showed up at the recording like you know um in the studio with them the um I feel like there's like a little bit of like Tom Waits influence like on on some of the lyrics in this song. They're like, um, you know, uh, 
ne'er do like literary ne'er do wells like what's the line like actors authors artists and thieves um and after the parties where nobody hates former strippers and junkies and men of the cloth um it's almost like a yeah it's just like it's yeah. right out of like a tom tom waits character yeah i can definitely see that yeah so yeah. we all fell in line and got lost so what's your what's your oh you already said your lyric yeah, i think that's i was simultaneously reading the lyrics and then uh not listening i guess apparently <laughs> <laughs> as i'm wont to do <laughs> so up next is torture this is like a little ditty almost <laughs> yeah i was like the, my my note was like you're not even bothering with a drummer here are you but it's it's you know this is another one that i could see paul just kind of doing it's really showing that it's uh you know paul on his own yeah i mean i i think it was in the episode where we interviewed bob Meir, but um you know when he talked about paul's background um with blues music um and i was that was i was really thinking about that when the harmonica part came on in this song right i think you can really hear paul's um paul's blues background in this track yeah um yeah the line for me was you climb into your rocket ship and count from 10 to 1 there's no television coverage for that loser on the run not really sure what to make of that but it was just the line that popped yeah no it's and then you know ending with you hide yourself in darkness but we're heading for the sun yeah nice little what do they call it a couplet mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um then we get into a little more of a rave up, My Little Problem. Yeah. Which features uh, Jeanette Napoli. Na uh, I already, already screwed it up again. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, from Concrete Blonde. What do you think of this one? Yeah. I mean, th this song is like a little more like, there's like more like a rock and track. I think they're doing good, like with the pacing here. Like, you know, um, uh, obviously, like, you know, the prior song um, didn't even have a drummer on it. Um, yeah, I think this is a really cool song. This is like more kind of like writing about like real issues, right? This is like about like kind of kind of grappling with stuff, right? Yeah, and it's like we said, it's it's a little more of Paul writing from a perspective of someone who's in their 30s. Yeah. Yeah, the lyric and her voice sounds cool on it. Like their voices blend together real nice. Yeah, and I... um, so that's pretty, pretty cool to have because I think if I'm, that's I mean that's the first time I think they've had like a guest right. vocalist, right? right? Like somebody who is like not a session person or whatever or doing backups, like somebody that's on the track and it's from a band that is known as well, right? Um, so yeah 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 to my knowledge um yeah the lyric that jumped out of me was i never had a problem until i knew you'd try to solve it it's a good one yeah and then finally the last the last there's an interesting closer in my mind but the the closer of their final album too yeah this one has like uh you can picture like like tony bennett or something saying it i don't know yeah agreed agreed yeah this this has like to me this like i mean like we mentioned tom waits earlier but this has kind of like nighthawks hit the diner style 
vibes for me. There's even like the the they're playing the snare with the brushes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is like, I mean, yeah, definitely like a very subdued, subdued closer. Um you can kind of picture, I don't know if Paul actually played piano. Okay. Like you can kind of picture him like playing like playing it at a piano in a lounge or something. Right, right. Agree. Agree. Um yeah, the line that jumped out at me at this one is would it hurt to fall in love a little slower? I know it hurts at any speed. It's a good line. Yeah. And it's a it is it's a good ending track. It is a little weird, but at yeah. the same time, I can't imagine it ending with any other song on here. No. And I can't imagine this song really going anywhere else on the album. Right. So then now it's time for us to pick our favorite. I think I went first last time. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna, I? Yeah. I mean, I've already, I already tipped my hand in the beginning. Um, depending on the day of the week, I would flip flop between two songs, but today I'm going to pick nobody. Um, it's this, I, it's a great song. I think it's like got like some of his best lyrics. I think it fits perfectly on the album. I was like super stoked when they played it. Um, I think it's like a really great snapshot of where they are as a band at this point. Um, I love a like hot track at number three. Yeah. What but was the other contender? The other would be Merry-Go-Round. Okay. Yeah. How about you? Mine's going to be a surprise, especially because I didn't really tip my, okay, uh, you know, show my hand or whatever. I have to go with Sadly Beautiful. Oh, yeah. I think it's uh, an amazing, an amazing song. But again, it, it's 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 a deep cut per mm -hmm. se. Right. Like it's it's not a song I'd have expected them to play live. Yeah. You know, to like you wouldn't go to the see the replacements and be like, oh, I can't believe they didn't play it or it wouldn't be like on the radio. But it, I just think it's a really beautiful song. And. Um, you know, I usually like from them the more like you know rocker stuff but i think on this album i've got to go with that song yeah yeah i totally see why it's a great song so as i alluded to at the beginning because we have we've leaned a little we've leaned a little mold yeah so a little hoosker so so we fi i figured we got we got to lean a little bit towards the replacements for for a minute yeah and uh i thought a fun one to do we were talking about archival releases and anniversaries october 6th is tommy stinson's birthday and it is also five years since they released the excellent live album for sale live at maxwell's mm -hmm. um capturing them at the peak of their power i think with with bob stinson um and i thought that could be a fun one to talk about there's you know great liner notes from uh Bob Meir, and it sounds great. If you own the record, you know that it just it looks great. Mm -hmm. um, I have some cool trinkets that came with mine that I can show off when the time comes. Cool. But uh, I thought that would be fun. We haven't we haven't done a live album yet, have we? No, we haven't. That sounds. No. Cool. I love it. Yeah. So that I would like that to come out on October sixth. Cool. So as of our recording, that gives us like three weeks to try and pin down a time. I think we can do it. I know we can do it. And we'll put yeah. it out for Tommy's birthday. And it will be the five-year anniversary of that record, which again, I mean, the replacements, I have to say, are 
we do a really good job i think with bringing their back catalog to life yeah um i mean something like that where it's just this great quality recording of this live show that i'm sure some people listening were at yeah sal if you're still listening were you were you at this show i forget what i forget i know he talked to us about it but i, I forget if he if he yeah was at that show i apologize but um you know they do and with bob Meir at the helm helping to be executive producer i believe would be his title and just curating it and having the liner notes and the photos and all this stuff it's it's just such a treat um i don't care that people say all oh, these things are a cash grab like you know futurama mean take my money it's like yeah. if they're gonna come with a book and photos and extra stuff like bring it on give yeah. me more box sets give me more live sets mm -hmm. um because it's not like i'm asking i'm not asking for a brand new studio album or anything but give me you know dig plumb the depths yeah yeah you know like larry david said you've got to plumb you've got to plumb <laughs> Along the depths, like give go into the vaults, give me live sets, give me demos, you know, give me more Bob Meir notes. Yeah, agree. So, live yeah. at Maxwell's for sale. Sounds great. Well, we'll see y'all then. That's it, yes, for time, folks. Thanks for listening. Yeah.